Hello and welcome to the San Marcos Business and Community Podcast presented to you by the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce. I'm Chamber CEO Rick Rangaitis and our special guest today is George Boggs. George is the Superintendent President Emeritus of Palomar College. George, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. I'm very happy to be here. So it's so much fun to do uh, these podcasts and, you know, a lot of times it's, it's business oriented and uh, a lot of times we find people in the community that maybe we didn't know. And uh, George, you're certainly a treasure to the San Marcos, San Marcos community and, and, and everything that you have, you know, very accomplished career and, and really excited to have you on, on the program today just to talk about the state of community colleges and, and just, just have a lot of fun today. Sounds good, Rick. All right, so let's start with, um, well, let's start with Palomar College. So, um, and we'll talk a little bit about how you got involved in higher ed, but just, I want to start with Palomar. Uh, that's, uh, for, the, for the people in, in San Marcos, that's probably what you're most known for. Uh, and how many years was it, like, was it like 15 or what? Yeah, a little over 15 years. Okay, so what, what first brought you to, uh, what, what brought you to Palomar? Well, I was... Uh, on the founding faculty of Butte College, which is up near Chico, Chico Oroville, Paradise, California, and had uh, worked my way up to be um, an associate dean, but I'd always wanted to be able to lead a college and make a difference for a lot of students and for a community. So when Palomar opened up its uh, presidency, uh, I was one of the applicants and was very uh, pleased uh, to have been selected. Uh, it was quite an honor to be uh, to become a leader of, of such a, a uh, well, uh, highly regarded college as Palomar. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. It's not just a community college. It's Palomar Community College. And it's, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're a little biased here in San Marcos, <laughs> but uh, f uh, just a, a phenomenal institution and um, just a, another great asset to, to San Marcos. Um, so how did you, a little bit about your career path or, you know, what point was it that um, you decided maybe like a higher ed career was something? Were you, did you teach or how did you get involved in higher ed? Well, I became uh, very excited about education. Clear back when I was in high school, I had uh, an opportunity to teach science to some fourth graders because the fourth grade teacher didn't know a lot about science, and it was just wonderful. These kids were sitting on the edge of their seats. They couldn't wait to tell me uh, how their litmus paper test came out when they were checking things at home. And I, boy, education is the is the career for me. And uh, I managed to get uh, a scholarship to go to Ohio State. We didn't have community colleges in Ohio when I graduated from from high school. Um, so I, I got into Ohio State with some scholarships and summer work. I, worked uh, in a rubber parts factory in the summers, worked my way through Ohio State and got a bachelor's degree in chemistry. But while I was there, I was um, honored to be a teaching assistant. I taught laboratory sections and recitation sections, which normally went to graduate students, but I was given that opportunity to teach there. And then um, came to California to go to uh, graduate school, had a chance to to be a, a teaching assistant and research assistant at the University of California at Santa Barbara, and then was lucky enough to be selected to be on the founding faculty of Butte College when it opened, and then, of course, to come to Palomar, which uh, was a wonderful institution and, and is still uh, one of the best community colleges in the country. So 
kind of kind of paint a picture of what Palomar was at, at that time during your tenure as the superintendent president. What were some of the things that were happening? What were some of the new things? And I, you know, I, I keep going back to you know San Marcos being recognized as the education hub. And I know on on these podcasts we've talked a lot about Cal State San Marcos and 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 how they've grown over the years. And um, but but kind of paint a picture of of what you know what was happening during the time that. That, um, that you were the superintendent and president of Palomar? Well, you know, even going way back into the history, Palomar started in 1946 uh, and actually began uh, classes in what was then Vista High School, which is now Lincoln Middle School in Vista, uh, offering classes only at night to about 100 students <laughs> in 1946, and then gradually went to Vista Community Center where it uh, uh, was able to offer some daytime classes, and then in 1950 moved to San Marcos. That was before the city of San Marcos was even incorporated. So for many years, uh, the biggest business in San Marcos was the Palomar College Bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny when you think about yes. things like Costco and Walmart today. But uh, back in those days, uh, the big business was uh, was education and um, and the bookstore. So. Uh, so I came to Palomar in uh, July of 1985. Uh, San Marcos still wasn't very well developed. Uh, there were still lots of two-lane roads, including Rancho Santa Fe, and um, even Highway 78 was not uh, didn't have as many lanes as it does today. That's so hard to picture. I mean, <laughs> right. like for all these transplants, like myself that's been there for 10 years, uh, and and we're not talking about like the we're not talking about. 1885, we're talking about 1985. Right, right, not that long ago. So actually, San Marcos has been um, quite a dynamic place. Uh, it's had some great leadership at the city level and, and in the chamber, uh, the local businesses. Um, it's just been wonderful to see how it developed. But going back to 1985, uh, Palomar was, was in kind of a slump. We had been losing enrollment. Uh, the effect of uh, Proposition 13 was kicking in and reducing funding. Uh, there was a recession, um, and uh, morale was not great. The enrollment was down to 15,500 students. Um, so we had some work to do to uh, build the reputation of the college, to, to, uh, to increase the financial stability of the college. People hadn't had salary increases for a while. We had to, to do some work to correct all of that. Um, we put some uh, uh, programs in place that, that helped our students and uh, helped our faculty. And, of course, by the time I left in, in 2000, uh, a little over 15 years later, we were 27 or 28,000 students uh, and uh, had some new buildings and plans for more. So, uh, And then, of course, I was here when the university was just beginning. It was a branch campus of uh, San Diego State, and Dick Rush was the executive director and uh, and I watched the leadership of San Marcos with Mayor Lee Thibodeau and some others who, through their vision, uh, brought the university here. And of course, I, I got to know the early presidents and leaders of of that institution, and I'm just thrilled to see uh, how it's developed, uh, along with uh, how Palomar has done. Uh, as you say, we're the education hub of North County, and. Uh, it's all because of the visionary leadership that we've had here in San Marcos. Yeah, and it must be gratifying for you to, after putting the uh, uh, the, the blood, sweat, and tears into into Palomar College during your during your tenure, to be able to still see the uh, see the college still experience some great growth. 
It is. And, of course, that's part of the reason I, I came back here from the 10 years of being in Washington, D.C., representing the nation's community colleges. Uh, when we retired, we decided uh, this was home. This, this felt like home to us. Uh, of course, two of our sons are here and uh, our grandson. Uh, but we just love this community. And uh, it, as you say, it's just been wonderful to see the growth of the university and of Palomar College. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the times in Washington. Uh, so you are the president and CEO emeritus of the American Association of Community Colleges. So um, so how, how long, so were you president and CEO for, for 10 years from that? A little, little over 10 years, right? Okay. When I left Palomar in September of uh, 2000, I went to D.C. Uh, the, actually, it was the tail end of Bill Clinton's term, so I was in the White House with him. And then, of course, uh, George W. Bush spent a lot of time with that administration and then the uh, first two years of Barack Obama's administration. So uh, it was a pretty dynamic time. Actually, I was in the air fl- flying back um, from a speech in, in Oregon uh, on 9-11 and Yikes. managed to land in, um, at Reagan National Airport uh, after the Twin Towers had been hit, but before the Pentagon was hit. And um, it was... Uh, very uh, scary, unusual time. We didn't know what was going on at first. Um, but after that, uh, um, we began working with the administration. Uh, this was before the Department of Homeland Security even existed to help the Department of Transportation uh, think about how to increase security at the airports. And we thought maybe community colleges and the nation could play a role in helping to prepare security workers. So we worked with the administration during that time. But um, but in the long run, the administration uh, went to bid on the project and, and gave the, a bid to Lockheed Martin instead of to the community colleges. So, <laughs> so I don't know, uh, may, have, may have saved us some headaches uh, 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 as community colleges, but uh, I think we could have played a role, a bit, even stronger role than we did. But it was, a, it was a dynamic time. I got to work pretty closely with the Congress and the, um, and the administration and of course, all the colleges across the country. So I'm pleased to um, have been able to serve in that capacity for a little over 10 years. So talk a little bit more about that as far as like what's your role and what the um, uh, what that organization, what it what its mission was or what was the uh, I know you worked with the, you know, with the administration in Washington. But what was the um, what was the role? I mean, what were the things that other some of the other things that that you were that were working on? Maybe more of the day to day things and and that, you know, at the at the high level. Well, of course, we represent the, the nation's community colleges. There are 1,200 of them and, a, and about 12 million credit students around the country. So, um, so our task was to represent them, uh, not only to the Congress and the administration, but all the other organizations in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and I spent a lot of time on the road, probably about half my time, visiting colleges around the country, finding out what their problems were, what their issues were, how we could better represent them in Washington, D.C., and, and letting them know what we were doing in Washington, D.C. Um, so one of the first uh, initiatives I started was uh, a program to develop future leaders for our colleges because uh, leaders were turning over. They were getting older and getting ready to retire, and we didn't have a good pipeline. So I got some funding from the Kellogg, the, the, um, uh, Kellogg Foundation in Battle Creek, Michigan, uh, and uh, we developed leadership competencies, what, what competencies our leaders need, and we developed future leader institutes uh, to help prepare our leaders. Uh, I spent a lot of time going around to universities, encouraging them to develop leadership programs for higher education. Uh, 
then the other effort actually began when I was at Palomar. We um, began focusing more on student learning as being the, the most important outcome of our colleges. And actually, what started at Palomar transformed higher ed across the country. Uh, the regional accrediting agencies across the country now are requiring colleges and universities to specify student learning outcomes. So it's very focused now on our students and their and their learning. So while I was at uh, at AACC in Washington D.C., uh, we developed some programs to to help improve the success of our students. Um, and and one of them was it's called Achieving the Dream Community Colleges Count. It's still uh, it's still uh, in effect um, as uh, as an effort across the country to help our students to become more successful. And then, of course, Barack Obama challenged us to increase the graduation rates. Uh, and so we worked with the administration there to put some programs in place. I worked with Jill Biden when she was um, the wife of the vice president. She's one of our faculty members, by the way. She teaches at uh, Northern Virginia Community College. Uh, so I worked with her uh, to put together the first White House Summit on Community Colleges uh, before I left uh, Washington, D.C. So those are some of the on-the-ground kinds of things we did. Of course, there's a lot of uh, lobbying, uh, trying to keep bad things from happening in the Congress and trying to in increase uh, Pell Grants for students so they would have the financial support to go to college. So uh, it was just a very um, intensive kind of job for, for over 10 years. And as I said, I was on the road a lot, so uh, I couldn't do much else except concentrate on on, on that job and helping our colleges and, and our students across the country. Sounds like a labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like more, more than a career. It's kind of like a passion. You, you right. have to have a passion for education, and so many of our faculty members and leaders do. I mean, it's, it's more than just a job with them. It's kind of a calling uh, to, help, um, to help people, to help people to learn and grow and, and realize their potential. Well, congratulations on an amazing career you've had in higher ed, and specifically with community colleges. Um, talk about, you know, it's there's so many opportunities that are available here in San Marcos and, and certainly with, uh, with Palomar, but talk, talk a little bit about what the benefits of a community college experience is and, and, and what, it, what it can do to help the, the individual and, and taking that path as opposed to other paths. Uh, well, it's... it's, it's um, it's the value of education. So uh, community colleges provide a path to a four-year degree, if that's what the students want, or uh, a valuable uh, preparation for uh, a career. We have, a, at Palomar, for example, we have a very highly regarded registered nursing program. So you can go through that program and become a registered nurse without going on to a university. Or you could become an emergency medical technician, uh, or a diesel mechanic, or an auto mechanic. Um, there's so many different career possibilities uh, there for you. Uh, so that, that's, that's why I'm such an advocate, because I, I've seen what education and, and training and preparation can do to people's lives. It just creates a richer life, um, uh, greater economic benefit, greater health benefits. Uh, it's, just, um, it's just what education can do for a person is just amazing, and that's why I'm so passionate about it and uh, believe so strongly in community colleges like Palomar. Well, and I've had uh, people on this podcast uh, talk about their, their careers, and I've had more than one. I've had multiple guests on this show talk about how Palomar changed their lives and how they were 
you know, they, they didn't have direction. They didn't really know what to do. And, um, for, for various reasons. And they went to Palomar college and, and went on to these amazing careers. So it, it is, uh, it, it does provide some great opportunities. Yeah. And they're everywhere. I mean, uh, sometimes I've, I've been on an airplane and, uh, flight attendant or the pilot have been, they've been Palomar graduates. So, <laughs> so, uh, they're everywhere. graduates are not just in San Marcos. They may have started here, but they are everywhere now. All right, so I have to ask you a question because I've been told I'm originally from, I was born in Joliet, Illinois, and I've had someone tell me that the oldest community college in the country is Joliet Junior College. At the time, it was called Joliet Junior College when I was there. Is that right. true? That's true, and um, it began in 1901. So that was, we, we all point to Joliet uh, Junior College as being the first uh, junior college or community college in the country. I think it's still called Joliet Junior College. Uh, but it really is a community college. And it was the brainchild of um, uh, J. Stanley Brown, who was the principal or superintendent of Joliet High School and the president of, um, of the University of Chicago. Uh, the president of the University of Chicago wanted to create an elite institution. He didn't want a bunch of freshmen and sophomores going there. He wanted to be upper division and graduates. So he formed this partnership with, uh, with the Joliet High School to, to start Joliet Junior College. And that same thing happened in California just a couple of years later. Uh, the, the presidents of Stanford and UC Berkeley pushed pretty strongly to start uh, junior colleges or community colleges in California because they, they saw this mass of people also who needed education. They didn't want them all to come to the university. So, uh, so they started uh, the legislation in California to begin community colleges here, and the very first one in California was in Fresno. Fresno City College is, is the very first one uh, there. So that was all in the early 1900s, and of course, uh, Palomar started a bit later in 1946, right after World War II. Yay, Joliet. Right, right. <laughs> so you've been busy uh, since, re- since retirement, right? And you still stay pretty active with various things? That's true. I'm teaching in the doctoral program at uh, San Diego State University and also at Kansas State University, uh, preparing our future leaders uh, and um, serving on lots of dissertation committees. Uh, most recently, I'm the co-principal investigator for a National Science Foundation grant uh, that's trying to get our colleges across the country more actively involved in preparing uh, STEM um, professionals, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, there's a desperate need for them uh, in the country for to build to build our economy in the country, uh, and community colleges are the ideal place for them. The federal government can provide the funding; we just have to get the colleges uh, able to, um, to to compete for the funding. So that's my latest project. And then, of course, I have lots of hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoy woodworking, which I never had time for um, once I became a college president. And then, of course, in Washington D.C., I didn't have time for. For that, so I enjoy woodworking and gardening, and uh, then what are you going to do with all these vegetables? So I, uh, so I do some cooking and baking, and uh, just love to try new things. Well, I've seen some of your um, creations on on Facebook, on social media, and whether it be the the yummy food or the uh, or the woodworking, the bowls, and some, it just looks like it's amazing work that you do. Well, thank you. I really really enjoy it. So it's. Um, you know, just before I let you go, I just want to get your opinion because you're you've had such an illustrious career, and and our world has turned upside down in the last couple of years. And you know, how do you see the how do you see the state of of, of education, the state of higher education, 
in the future. And I always ask everybody that's on the program to get their crystal ball, but just what you've seen and how, um, how we've had to adapt to these changing times. How do you see the um, community colleges moving forward? Well, it's been a challenging time for us in higher education. In fact, I was in the middle of teaching a doctoral program. I'd been down to Ranger, Texas uh, for a face-to-face session, and then all of a sudden uh, the country closed down because of the pandemic. So I had to scramble to convert it to virtual. Well, that happened in colleges and universities across the country. Uh, And it's amazing how fast that we were able to adapt uh, including, of course, our institution here, Palomar and, and, and CSU San Marcos as well. Um, faculty had to scramble to, to, uh, to, to put their classes online. Fortunately, we had some technology like Zoom, for example, uh, that's, that's enabled us to do that. But um, community colleges across the country experienced an enrollment decline. Uh, that is really unusual because usually when there's an economic decline, everybody comes back to college to pick up a skill right. to get back in the workforce. Well, it didn't happen this time. And in fact, um, the enrollment decline is worse for men. Uh, men are not going to college uh, in the same numbers they used to, and in particular men of color. So we have a major challenge. How do we get them back? Um, and looking into the future, <clears throat> I, I think there are going to be some permanent changes because of the pandemic. Um, we found out that uh, we don't necessarily have to have everybody in the same room to have a meeting. So we don't have to have them drive or fly um, for hours. Uh, we can just hook them up on a Zoom and it's kind of like we're in the same room. Uh, or we can beam speakers into our classes. Uh, we're more comfortable doing that now because we've had to do it. Uh, so I think some of that's going to stay. Uh, also, I'm, I should say I'm chair of the board for uh, <coughs> Phi Theta Kappa, which is the International Honor Society for Community College Students. And in the past, we would get maybe 3,000, 4,000 students uh, show up at the national convention. Uh, So they had to do it virtually uh, the last couple of years. They had 9,000 students show up virtually. Wow. So so we're not going to go back to the way we were. We're going to try to do face-to-face but also have a virtual component. So I think those are some of the changes that are going to stick around. We just have to figure out how to get people back into college, and that's one of the major challenges we're facing right now. Well, earlier I congratulated congratulated you on an illustrious career in community colleges, but uh, it's certainly not done. I mean, you're <laughs> still you're still very active, and and thanks for all the work that you do. Um, your, your your work has affected a positive effect on tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, of students uh, throughout throughout the world, throughout the country and throughout the world. So um, kudos to a, to a great job, well done, and, and a great job still going on. Well, thank you, Rick. And thanks so much for taking some time. You're certainly a, a treasure of San Marcos, and uh, it was great getting to, I mean, it's hard to do everything and talk to you in 20 minutes. You might have to have you on another episode because there's, there's several things that we didn't get a chance to talk about, but certainly appreciate you taking the time today. Happy to do it, Rick. I really love this community, and thank you for what you're doing here for the Chamber. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Uh, We've been talking with George Boggs. George is the Superintendent President Emeritus of Palomar College. I want to thank everyone for listening to the San Marcos Business and Community Podcast presented to you by the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce. And remember, every Tuesday, San Marcos Farmer's Market right in front of our office here in North City uh, from 3 to 6 every Tuesday. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.